This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Pastor Rob, last week, wasn't that a great message? I listened to that message last night. What a great message. And, uh, and Dr. Rob Brewer, uh, he was in, in their wedding and has uh, been a friend of theirs a long time. But uh, to spend a day with Jack Hayford. And Jack Hayford, wasn't it interesting that what he saw in the body of Christ, we moved from the foundation of the Word of God and we moved away from prayer. And we need to move into the Word and into prayer. And this is a time where we don't pull away, we press into what God has for us. But I, I thought it was a, a wonderful message. And here we are in our seventh day of 21 days of prayer. I know some of you tell me you're fasting. And uh, God bless you. I'm eating on this one. But uh, God bless you, those that are fasting. Uh, we do have prayer and fasting in January, but if you want to fast now, go for it, and uh, God will bless. But I want to look at secret place prayer, and I have uh, quite a few scriptures, so I want to just jump in. The old covenant model for prayer was people seeking God to see what he would do. And that's, that's kind of what you see in the old covenant people praying to see what God was up to, what he would do. But the New Testament model is, is looking to see what he has done. It's praying in agreement with what he has already done in Christ. So prayer becomes, I'm really seeing what does he want me to do with him in my heart? Or what word of wisdom does he have for me to experience the grace of God that's been freely given to each of us. The promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So he's already said yes and he's already said amen to them, but we need wisdom and strategy to walk those things out. So we're trusting God for what he's already done. So it's less about getting God to do things because he's already done it. It's more about what does he want us to do? What's the next step for us? What's the wisdom for us? It's about talking to God to get his wisdom, his peace, his comfort. 2 Peter 1, verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. What Jesus did at the cross paid for everything that you could ever need in this life and godliness. He paid the price in full. Aren't you glad? This is, this is a done deal. Uh, last week when I was ministering in, in Leslie, we had uh, just some tremendous uh, healings and uh, some miracles. i just tell you one uh, no one laid hands. We, we just prayed. Uh, one lady started jumping up on her ankle, uh, on her foot. I didn't know what was going on. And asked her, and she had fractured her ankle in uh, 27 different places. She said then she was leaving uh, 
uh, establishment somewhere and was going outside on the steps, got her foot stuck in the steps, found down the steps of her foot stuck, broke her foot, and she went through, I don't know how many surgeries or whatever, constant pain. And she said all the pain left, she was totally healed, and she's bouncing around on that one foot. God has already provided healing. God has already provided everything that you need for life. It's, it's a done deal. Another man was moving his neck around. It honestly started affecting my neck watching him because he's jerking it around like crazy. And, and he, he said for months he had had so much pain. He had injured, uh, accident, had hurt his neck. He couldn't hardly move his neck. And he's moving and whipping that neck around like crazy. I mean, so much that I'm thinking he could get whiplash, you know, just. But God's a good God, and he's already paid the price. So when we're praying, we're not praying for something, uh, get him to do something, because he's already done it. And in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises, say all the promises. Now that means all the promises. All the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. But I find that many Christians, or most Christians, are praying, trying to motivate God into doing something. I've heard people say, if I can just get a, a whole lot of people praying for me, a lot of intercessors praying for me, then God has to do something. Now, do you hear the disbelief in that? Do you hear that? That's Old Covenant. It's not New Covenant. New Covenant is He's already done it. It's nothing wrong with having people in agreement praying with you. I'm just saying, what's the motive of your heart? Well, if I can get 10,000 people to pray for me, I'll, I'll convince God to do something for me. I'll motivate God or I'll manipulate God to do something for me. I know nobody's in here never manipulated God whatsoever. God, if you do this for me, I, I will serve you. <laughs> Thank God for his mercy. <laughs> I've even heard uh, people saying, uh, well, we were storming the gates of heaven. There was even a book, Storming the Gates of Heaven. And I can just see God. He's on the throne. He's going, Michael, man, they're, they're at it again. <laughs> they're at the gate out there. They're praying for the gate to open. They, they don't realize it's already open. I, I don't know what. Michael, would you go out there and do me a favor? Go out there and just pick up that gate and throw it away. <laughs> The gate's open for you. It's so much open, you can go to the most important place in heaven, the throne room. You have an open invitation to go to the throne room. You're talking about open. I'm telling you the cross changed everything. Because of that blood, because of what Jesus did, that finished work at the cross, you have an open invitation to come into the very throne room of grace 
and receive help in time of need. That's when you need mercy. That's when you've blown it, you missed it, maybe in sin. You can come boldly then and receive God's help. Did I say God? God. Your father's got you. God. You have an open invitation to meet with God anytime you want. That's new covenant. God loves us. He's made provision. Prayer's about communion with God. It's, it's more about talking and communicating with him than trying to get him to do something. Find the promise and, and give him the promise. Speak the promise. Decree some things. Say some things. I found out when you spend time with God in prayer in the secret place, it starts to capture your heart. And your heart starts changing. You start praying for others. You start feeling God's heart. You start... Uh, getting a bigger picture of what's going on around you. Some principles of the secret place prayer. This in your notes. Prayer needs to be in agreement with the finished work of the cross. When we pray, we should know the answer because we're praying the promises. So we're not to be wondering what God will do. 1 John 5, verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. When we ask, we're to know the answer. There's to be an expectation in us. That's what faith is. Believing that you receive the answer because you're asking according to his will. What's his will? The Bible. Bible, they may have changed the way it looks now, but the Word of God's the Word of God. It's His will, the Bible. Look at the promises. Then Jesus said, believe that you have received and you will have it. Mark eleven twenty four. where do you believe? In the heart. Believe that you what you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it and you'll have it. Why? Because when you pray, you have it in the spirit realm. And as you stay your faith connected, it'll come into its natural realm. You ask in confidence. I'll share quickly the illustration the Lord gave me because he's prompted me to just share it again about the, the bank. When you ask you go and ask for your money at the bank. You ask because you know it's there. Has anyone ever here gone to the bank on purpose and asked for money that you knew was not in the bank to humble yourself or humiliate yourself? No, not, none of us do that. But what you do, you ask because the money is in the bank because you put it there. Now, when they tell you there's no money in there, you know there's money in there because you put it there. You're not leaving that bank to they figure out what's wrong with their computer and they get that thing taken care of where you can get your money. That's the confidence where they have because I know it's His will. Your inheritance is already in the bank. Faith calls for it. Prayer. You receive that thing. But many Christians are acting like they're getting a loan. 
Mr. Banker, I beg you for a loan. I need the money. No confidence. Well, Bob, you got to qualify. We need to know everything about you. How many hairs on your head? Where do you eat? Where? <laughs> you feel that way. All these things. Will you please loan me the money? It's not that way in prayer. I'm not trying to get them, talk them, talk heaven into something. Heaven has already moved in my behalf through Jesus Christ at the cross. That death, burial, and resurrection has done it all. My part now is to believe it and to walk it out. Next, we need to operate, this in your notes, we need to operate in the law of binding and loosing. And I think many times we forget this. Because God's waiting on our will. He waits on our will. That's the reason Jesus would say, what do you want, blind man? Well, isn't it obvious? Now, he had to hear it. He, he had to hear the, the will part. And it has to come from us. Matthew 18, 18 from the Amplified. Truly I tell you, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. So I get with God, I look at my life, and I declare this is illegal, this is unlawful, this is unacceptable, this is a part of the curse, and I bind that thing and put it off. I, I reject it in my life. And whatever it is, God will back it up because I'm giving him my will. He's given me authority. And many people are asking God to do something where he's already given you authority in that area and he wants you to use, use your authority. What about those places that are legal, are lawful, and are acceptable but are not in my life? I loose them. I believe for those. I put those things on me. The Bible talks a lot about putting on and putting off. So we need to, to receive the promises. And I put an example, Ephesians 4.17, of putting it on and putting it off. And uh, I won't cover a lot of this because Shauna's going to cover it later. She gets that far, Ephesians 4. <laughs> With the Lord's authority, I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure, eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that, that isn't what you've learned about Christ, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him. Throw off. That's from the New Living Translation, but the uh, New King James says, put off. Now, who puts off? Say, I do. You're responsible to put some things out of your life, to put off, to take authority over it and get out. You put off. Throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. 
Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. This is written to Christians. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we're all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. Then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul and abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be encouragement to those who hear them. So we talked about prayer. One of the definitions of prayer is to judge and reconcile. Judge and reconcile. Judge to find yourself approved by God. That means I'm decreeing and looking at my life, assessing my heart. And then I reconcile to what I have in Christ Jesus. I reconcile to the truth. So you have the problem, you have the answer. You put off the problem, put on the answer. So you, you never, never stop with the, the problem. Never just stop, here's the problem, woe is me. Make sure you put on. Don't put off that clothing and just be a nudist. Put something on. Thank you. How about some new nature garments? You look good, even to those around you. <laughs> Reconcile to that finished, finished work. And a, a lot of times prayer is just whining and complaining. We're just talking about the problem the whole time, but we're never getting the answer. And, you know, studies show if you rehearse Keep rehashing and rehearsing the problem. You know what happens? It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So we want to stay positive. We put on. This in your notes. At the end of the day, nothing changes until you make some decisions. At the end of the day, I, put, I got changes. Changes until you make some decisions. You got to get your heart in order. Faith looks at the end, looks at the answer. So start looking with the eye of faith at the end of this thing. You're looking if the problem was gone. You're, you're looking at the answer. So you keep your eyes on the end of your faith. And that's, that's what faith does. It looks at the answer. So you want to keep your eyes on the answer. And, you know, faith is the way you connect with him. And faith connects, must be through the heart. So you're connecting with an eternal God, but prayer is always present. It's always now. And you connect your heart to him. You know, it's not so much that you have all the exact words and you say everything right. It's more about the heart connection, that your heart's connected to him. Believing in your heart, the senior notes, makes the difference. Or in other words, it's motive. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can do a lot of good things. You can have faith to move mountains. Yeah, you can do all these things, but profit's nothing if your motive's not right. You don't have love. 
So you got to make sure your heart's right, your motive's right. Matthew 6, verse 6, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. Father knows what you have need of before you ask. In fact, he's already provided for your problem. He's already provided for your problem before you were born. He's already met the need. And you see that in your notes. Father has already provided the answer to your problem before you ask or even before you were born. You don't get more points with God because you got a bunch of words. Because you can say a long prayer. That's what the Pharisees were doing. Long prayer. They loved the attention of the people. Their motives were wrong. That was their reward that some people saw them and said, well, look at there. Boy, they really know how to pray. That was their reward. I, I, that just doesn't appeal to me. What about you? <laughs> want more than that. But God wants our hearts to be connected to a God who loves us, a loving Father. In Luke 11, verse 1, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven. Now this begins what we call the Lord's Prayer. And the disciples back then knew some things we really don't understand. Rabbis, when they taught the word, they would teach in categories. And the categories, they would go back and explain it in detail later. What Jesus was giving here was categories. This prayer, I believe, can set your heart in order, your life in order, because I believe he covers the categories of life. It's a pattern for us. So we don't just go around repeating this prayer uh, with no meaning to it. You, you give it life by listening to the Spirit and how to pray. You may not go through the whole thing. It might be different each time you go. This is just a pattern that the Lord has given us, these categories, this structure, this pattern that we can learn from. He never intended to, for us just to memorize these, this, these words, these categories, and then... You've done your thing and that's it. It's got to be deeper than that that we can uh, get our hearts involved in it. But I love here, and I'm always just so blessed when Jesus said, Our Father. He said, Our Father. The reason we can say this is New Covenant because he says, Our Father. That's New Covenant. In, In the Old Testament where there's the word Father, it meant Master. In the New Covenant, where it says, Father, it's talking about Daddy. It's talking about intimate relationship. One is talking about servant, master to servant, where the New Covenant is talking about Father to Son. It's talking about family. But this is foreign to the Jews and people tend to be formal or they are too 
just super relaxed. But you know, uh, there needs to be a balance there because you are to have an intimate relationship with him, but he's still God. And one of the things that's interesting is uh, I've heard about uh, the Indians, Eastern Indians, uh, that they would take, like Gandhi, they'd say Gandhi G. Gandhi G. And the G, uh, Gandhi, the, the name would mean uh, warmth or just, you know, that person. But then the G meant all and respect. So even parents would call their uh, children, would call their parents, say, Daddy G. Meant intimate relationship with Daddy, yet G was all and respect for Daddy. And we need to have that balance. We do have an intimate relationship with him, but we're still to all give him all and respect and worship. That's where the fear of the Lord comes in. I'm not afraid of what, that he's going to reject me or hurt me or beat me. It's not that kind of fear. It's a respect. This is God. This is the Lord. So I give him worship. I give him all and respect. And yet, he's my best friend. Intimate relationship with him. So we, we have both uh, going on there. We can never lose the all respect or fear of the Lord. In 1 John chapter 3, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know him because it did not know, because it did not know him. The world did not know us because it did not know him. We are his children. And because we're his children, we already have an inheritance. We've been made joint heirs with Christ. Now think about this. God, the creator of the universe, is your father. You're talking about knowing some people in high places. You're talking about, hey, my family, you just don't, you don't go above my family. <laughs> Why? Well, my father's God. What's wrong with you? My father's God. Well, who are you? I'm the son of God. Now, you really freak some people out. Just keep that in your house, you know. Look in your mirror. I'm a son of God. If that freaks you out in, in church, you need to be saying that. Because that's who you are. Y'all don't sound. Say, I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. Men say, I'm a son of God. Ladies say, I'm a daughter of God. That's who you are. God said it. We're children of God. That means you're pretty valuable. You know, God loves those that are not even his children. Mm. So I no longer approach God wondering what he will do to me. Or hurt me. He's always glad to meet with me. I'm not afraid of a rejection, hurt, or that he's going to beat me. The word chastise, uh, we think of being whipped or whatever. 
It means to instruct and direct the child you favor. A good father will chastise his kids. But it's to instruct as a child you favor. Now, how many can handle that? For God to instruct you, give you direction, because you're the child he favors. It's awesome. Now, let me help you with that. Jesus is the favored child, but you're in him. <laughs> well, some of you are going, how can you favor me? You're in Christ. He's the favored child, but we're born into him. So God relates to me as, as the child he favors. Now that changed your prayer life right there. If you're going to God as your father, as the child he favors. You can receive some instruction. You can receive some direction. That's the reason I assess my heart. Lord, if there's anything in me that's illegal, unlawful, unacceptable in your eyes, I want it out of my life. And I'm not doing a condemnation. I'm opening up my heart. Is there anything there? It's a dangerous prayer because he will speak. And then you'll deal with that. You think you've arrived. Hallelujah. It's all, all done but the shouting. Now I have arrived. And then God shows something else. And then finally, after a hundred times, you realize this is not going to end, is it, Lord? <laughs> You're always going to be assessing your heart and talking with him and communion with him and, and getting him to speak to you. That's where, you know, if you have uh, religious leaders or controllers, what well, I call them, they... They want you to do what they want you to do. They don't want you to know that you are a child of God who has his favor and you can go straight to God and get direction and get instruction. One word for if you're around a controlling uh, religious leader, run. Enough said. The kingdom in our life is based on three things. You see relationship there. The relationship is my father. Identity, sonship, position in Christ. That's what the kingdom is based on. All these things you need to be have some understanding on. We approach God as a son based on sonship. He's qualified us to receive answer prayer. He's placed me in Christ so when God sees me, he sees the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he will answer my prayers. He's given me an inheritance. That means when I, I call in confidence, in faith, it's there. And the answer is not no, it's yes and amen to the promises of God. Well, I didn't get the answer. You need to open your heart and see. God will speak. Is God ever the problem? Say no. God's never the problem. It's us. Well, I don't like that it's us. Well, I'm sorry. He's perfect. Well, if it's on me, what's, what's wrong with me? I, I don't know. Get before God and open your heart. He'll tell you. He'll help you. He's got the answer for you. He loves you. 
He wants you to be so blessed, he went ahead and blessed you with everything before you were here. He set up an inheritance for you before you were born. And it's his good pleasure to give you the things of the kingdom. He said, you'll always triumph in my son, Jesus Christ. Through Christ, you can do all things through him who strengthens you. You've been made more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You're not the tail running around. You're the head. You're blessed going in and blessed going out. You're blessed in the country and you're blessed in the city and you're blessed in between. Your brain and your mind is blessed. It's the best day for the body of Christ. It's not a day of doom and gloom. It's a day of hallelujah and zoom. For you'll find yourself out of here. So shake off all the bad reports and get connected to the good report because I always have good news for my kids. It's never doom and gloom for my kids because they're connected to me. And if you're connected to me, you'll never hear doom and gloom and woe is me. And I'm so stressed out. Oh, what could it be? Send for the angels. Oh, help me. But I'm God. And I've already provided. I've already given the answer. And my grace, my grace is sufficient for whatever you face. It's okay to turn to one beside you and get some help. But always look to me and know I am your present help in time of need. And always rejoice. And always lift up your voice. For you'll find that freedom from stress in the place of worship and praise. Because I've designed it to capture the emotions of your life. And the emotions of your heart. And bring you to a place of freedom. That even if the mountain, even if the giant, even if that big bad boss is still on the job, it'll not affect you. Because I've captured your heart. And I have your heart and your emotions. And I'm saying, I got it. I got it for you. I got it for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Mm. Secret place the enemy can't touch you. I'm going to end with this. Galatians 4. It says, When the fullness of time has come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. You're no longer connected to God as a servant, but as a son. In the Old Testament, they were servants. In the New Testament, we're family. God was not, did not send Jesus to this earth to make more servants. He came to make family. He came to adopt us. And bring us into his very own family. But if you don't know your son, if you don't know you're qualified, you're the same as a slave. I said I was going to stop there, but one more verse. 
It's too good. Romans 8, 15. For the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit producing sonship and the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself thus testifies together with our spirit, assuring us we're the children of God. Abba, Father means Daddy God. He's Daddy. He's God. It's power heads. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for the, the secret place, Father, that we can pray that we can get away from this world and get with you. That we can be refreshed. That we can receive strength. That we can receive wisdom from you. That where you are, we can be. We thank you, Lord, for that place. No one looking around. If there's anyone here that needs Jesus today, you need to turn to Him. Maybe you prayed this before, but you realize today there's been a disconnect and you need to connect back. I want you to slip your hand up if that's you. We'll pray and God will welcome you with open arms into His family in this place. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Say, Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to rescue me. I call Jesus the Lord of my life, my Savior, the one who saved me. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. We're going to have some prayer partners come down. You prayed, come and receive. Come and tell somebody what happened. Or if you have a prayer need, whatever it is, come and receive. Receive from the Lord. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662 890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.